Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and here we are again for another week of Don't Box Me In. Uh, Today I'll be talking with my guest about a controversial diagnosis called Disassociative Identity Disorder, or sometimes known as Multiple Personality Disorder. Certain movies like The Three Faces of Eve, Sybil, and even Fight Club have brought attention to the condition, but at the same time sensationalized it, which sometimes causes misunderstandings and misdiagnoses. It is believed that about 1% of the population has to live with DID, and my guest today will share the story of what it's like to be that 1%. Along with his partner, who lives with DID, the two of them embarked on a journey to understand the struggles, causes, and how to live life with DID, which has led to an emotion-packed book and speaking tour. With much respect and pleasure, I welcome Thomas Smith, husband of Daryl Williams, to Don't Box Me In today. Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, Lana. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, no. Thank you for making time for me. Um, first thing I want to ask you, because... Uh, I know how difficult it can be to love one person with one personality. I can only imagine uh, how difficult it might be to love one person with 16 personalities. Were you aware or was Daryl diagnosed when you guys met? He was, in fact. Um, I should uh, preface the thing. I didn't meet Daryl first. I actually met one of the, we call them the kids, the people inside. Okay. Okay. I met JD, he was 14, and uh, long story there. But to get back to your central question, um, I've spent most of my life in entertainment. There mm-hmm. isn't a single person I've ever worked with or ever met who hasn't walked off the stage and become somebody else. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just like part and parcel. It was like, you know, it was just, okay, he told me he had multiple personalities uh, when Daryl finally resumed control of the body. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought it was another part of the human condition. I maybe that's just me, maybe just my personality, but yeah, it's just it seemed all natural to me. <laughs> um, and before we get too far into this, maybe you can explain to the audience what exactly is uh, DID. Okay, dissociative identity disorder. Generally, believe it, it's caused by extreme. Physical, mental, and many times sexual abuse all occurring before the age of six. Now, uh, before the person reaches the age of six, the, the brain is unable to um, uh, to process such mm-hmm. trauma. In in in, in adults, um, we'll, we'll put the trauma into part of our brain that tells us to okay, contemplate it, think of the proper way to to avoid it or, or, or to counteract it. In a, in a young, young child, those impulses, um, that trauma goes directly to the part of the brain that tells them to panic. Mm-hmm. And th- because they can't handle, they're too young, the brain, the person's too young to handle this emotion, they uh, will sometimes, it doesn't happen every time, and nobody knows why it happens in cases like Daryl's and doesn't happen in others, but sometimes that will split off into this other personality, this other person to whom the central person, the firstborn in DID lingo, um, to something, to someone else, the trauma is happening to someone else, in other words. Mm-hmm. And they create, the brain creates this other person to whom the damage is occurring, leaving the firstborn um, alone. Okay. Okay. So... Um, you mentioned that you met JD first. Can you yeah. can can you give me a rundown of all the different personalities that Daryl has? No, because I tend to forget all of their names. I, I, I'll give you I'll give you a bunch of them. There's actually 24 that we know now. Oh, 24. Um, okay. More and more keep coming out. It's the publication of the book has really made them feel very much a part of the world. Mm-hmm. They really 
them the opportunity to tell their story when we do our speaking engagements. They are they feel very much loved and very much um, acknowledged, and which is mm-hmm. all that any person really wants, right? Mm-hmm. So um, um, it gets a little complicated. I'll try to simplify as much as I can. In it's typical of DID patients that there will be a trio mm-hmm. of. Uh, uh, personalities, and they represent what I call, um, well, the the, the person. They represent emotions that the normal person tries not to have, which are confusion, anger, and rage, the forbidden emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is really difficult. I mean, I've talked to the colleagues, nobody else has noticed this, but me and a couple of other multiple have. Uh, Daryl has. Is, is different in that he has two such triads. One of them is male, that's J.D., James, and Steve. That's in order of confusion, anger, and rage. Mm-hmm. And then female triads, uh, Carol, um, oh, God, how oh, do I lose this track of these guys? Mm-hmm. Diane mm-hmm. and Stalker. Um, in addition, there's just a whole bunch of little ones now. Um, there's Billy. Billy is the one in charge of all of the personalities. He's two. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't talk like he's two. He talks like more like ten. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Jimmy, who's very, very, very shy. And um, there is, let's see now. Then those are the two that he knew before he met me. And then since then, we have Dot, who... Um, basically considers himself my boy, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and Robbie, who's our musician. Okay. And there's a couple of pre-verbals. We don't have names for them because they can't talk. They're called the whining. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's more girls. There's an older man that's called Older James that I haven't met officially, but I mm-hmm. haven't seen it actually because one night he was on the Skype phone talked to Daryl's psychiatrist, he didn't understand the technology, he thought it was witchcraft, and he wanted to take a stick to it. So, uh, uh, that guy. <laughs> I, see. I see, I see. Now, you you talk of all the different personalities, you know, very fondly, very, like they're all very innocent. Is there any of them that are harmful to either Daryl or others? That's interesting. There, um, James could be harmful and Steve can be harmful. Um, they have are, have since Daryl's been in you know counseling for more than two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, have that really more under control, and we feel very very lucky. Uh, yeah, we're very big and you know we know that a lot of people in the DID community. We are lucky that they don't have those. We don't have those kind of troublesome personalities. Mm-hmm. Which are generally what you describe the um, the dangerous one, mm-hmm. or or which is usually more self destructive. Actually, okay. gotcha. they usually put anger outwards. We don't have one of those. We don't have a person inside who dislikes the caregiver or the partner. That's okay, also, that's very common. Okay, and we're so lucky we don't have one of those. <laughs> and, the third one that's also really common we don't have is the obstinate team who, you know, no matter what you say, they're going to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just thank our lucky stars for that. Just, <laughs> all of ours are, are pretty benign. Um, and, yeah, we're just lucky. <laughs> okay. Now, just out of curiosity, is it um – is it very clear when he shifts or is it subtle and you're like 30 minutes into the conversation like, oh, wait a minute, this is somebody else? It can go both ways. Okay. Uh, we've, done, we've done interviews. Uh, the first interview we ever did with our friends on, on a show called Swoops World here in Long Beach, California, um, unbeknownst to me because I wasn't looking at Daryl. I mean, I mm-hmm. can generally tell by facial shift okay. or... Sometimes by a voice change, but the, the older kids have this habit that I try to get them not to do, and I've asked them, but they forget, mm-hmm. of uh, using Daryl's voice. Okay. And so I didn't, I didn't notice a shift, but that whole first part of the interview is not Daryl, it's Steve. Okay. So Daryl does not remember the first half of the interview. And I was like, I 
should have noticed while I was looking at him, um, sometimes Carol has this little wink that she does when she comes out. Mm-hmm. And so that gives her away. Uh, all the little kids, the voice changes rather dramatically, okay. generally. And, okay. um, yeah. Okay. Now, um, another question out of curiosity, you know, you and Daryl are living happily and peacefully together as a, a gay couple, uh, but you've mentioned yes. that some of his personalities are female. Um, I would assume that that would cause some sort of complications in the relationship, or how do you guys negotiate through that? Well, okay, um, when that occurred, well, also some of his male personalities are, are not gay. <laughs> they're, okay, they're straight. okay. James, James, for one, is definitely straight. Okay. Um, when, oh, God, we're not getting too um, out there, giving too much away. Uh, when that happens, it, it takes a lot of counseling for the people inside to realize that in moments when they are not supposed to be out, okay. um, have to go inside into the little room. They're behind Daryl's eyes. Okay. They have a little room, and he can tell them to go back there, and they have to stay. But it takes an awful lot of therapy for some for a DID patient to get to that point mm-hmm. where they are capable of doing so. Um, it's the DID patients who have not reached that point, and there are more than more that have not than have that have the problem with their bodies being taken over at mm-hmm. weird and inopportune moments. Okay, understood. And you you mentioned um, earlier that he doesn't remember. Daryl doesn't remember sometimes when he shifts between um, personalities. Is it always like that? He kind of blacks out, or or sometimes is he conscious of this is not me, this is somebody else right now? Oh, um, it can go both ways. It, okay. it really can. Um, now, after the many, many, many years of counseling, he is able to control it a little better. He can remain uh, conscious that something is going on. However, you know, before this, um, I, he says probably about half of his life is blank. He doesn't mm. remember. And when we were writing Which One Am I, there are actually stories that are told in the book that, of which he has, the book Which One Am I, that he has no recollection. Wow. He still, still does not. <laughs> in fact, there's, mm. um, we make reference wow. to, to his time living in Hollywood, California, um, he doesn't remember any of it. Although James was apparently in control of the body during that period. Um, I've asked James. James won't tell me what happened. James won't tell Daryl what happened. Oh. Uh, and apparently whatever went down in Hollywood, and I can't imagine having written and interviewed him and talked about so many horrible instances in his life, that anything could happen in Hollywood that was so bad that mm. even now, mid forties, he can't. James doesn't feel he's capable of handling it. Mm. Um, I think maybe maybe it's better he doesn't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But when we do drive through Hollywood, James will point out landmarks. This is where you know I you know my my partner at the time worked. This is where he's never pointed out where they have lived, which I find a little suspicious. But he will it'll definitely bring up memories. But Daryl has no recollection of that at all. Nothing sparks no. any memories for him. No, no, none whatsoever. As far as he knows, everything in Hollywood is brand new. As um, far as James knows, though, we can pick out. I mean, I could, I could pick out uh, locations, and I mean, most of the businesses are long gone. Um, you know, bulldozed, turned into mini malls. But there's a couple of them where I, I can now say I can point to. I've, I've actually kind of thought, I'm not sure if it'd be mean or just be good or be good to go into this one restaurant where mm-hmm. his, then where the man he came to Hollywood with worked mm-hmm. and um, see if that charged any memories. But I, we haven't done that yet. Okay. Okay. And, and, and let me mention real quick, because we've been talking here for a second. Uh, Daryl is there with you? Daryl's unfortunately still out. He, he takes okay. a lot of spikes. And, and I thought he'd 
usually has been awake earlier, but apparently this is not one of those days. I apologize. No, no problem. I just want the audience to know that we're you're not being rude and and talking about him as if he did not. You know, I mean, he just he's on medication that kind of keeps him floating around until what midday or so. Yeah, it's generally they'll, they'll wear off about noon. Um, it's just, it's just it's, it's the various various psych meds, and he's also on pain meds because he has a uh, pinched sciatic nerve. So you add those two together, and yeah, he spends a lot of time before you. Oh, going through a lot, going through a lot. Well, Tom, we're going to take our first break of the day. Hang in there with me. We'll be right. right back with more right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com with your host, Lana Reed. Hello. Welcome back. We are talking about an interesting topic today, disassociative identity disorder. And we were talking about uh, with Tom, a partner to Daryl. And, Tom, I want to ask you... Um, you and you and Daryl have been together how long now? Oh, six years. Six years, and in the six years, with all of these personalities, I guess now you say there's 22. Are there times where Daryl looks at you and 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 says like, "Who are you?" or he has no clue? <laughs> it's more more works the other way. Um, generally, I'll look at him and and go, "Okay, who's here?" Uh-huh. Um, the answer is, is always me, because when they're first coming out, they all call themselves me. Mm-hmm. Um, n- normally now, it'll be up to, well, then me, me, to help them pick a name. Uh, my okay. argument's always, my argument's always the same. So I said, well, me, you know, there's a lot of me's, mm-hmm. and it really helped me if, uh, if, if he had a name. Do you like, mm-hmm. you know, what name do you like? And sometimes they'll pick one, they have a name they like, and other times it really has to go through a rigmarole of, okay. And there's, there's one actual little girl who speaks Italian, which I find hmm. no, no idea where she came from. And wow. it's been, it's been difficult. We've, we've come up, I think we're on our third name for her so far, and she's, she's, she's kind of picky. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she, she's apparently four, so, you know, they can be picky at four, it's alright. <laughs> yeah, no, huh? We're so indecisive when we're toddlers and stuff, so, yeah. Yeah, it is. She's a little indecisive. She hasn't picked out anything she really likes. It's, it's sort of typical of the young girls when they come out. Uh, Mary Rose was originally Rose Marie, mm-hmm. and then she said, well, I'm Mary Rose. She's, she's a singer, and she's hmm. only 12, so she was hmm. a little indecisive. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You know, yeah. they whoever they as long as I know what to call them when they're out, they're, they're fine. I must say, you know, uh, you, you have a lot of uh, patience. I, I guess this would not be the the normal thing that somebody could deal with on a day to day basis, and and loving somebody and coping with. I mean, that's um, it. Just seems to be a mountain of difficulties that you've taken on. But, yeah, but 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 I, I don't see. I don't. It that way. I, I don't understand why it's seen as would be seen as problematic. Um, at least I've spent most of my time, my life in entertainment. And when we were doing the um, doing a lot of, of research for which one am I? I mean, we came up with this book. This is a very big research, big source for a research book called um, "The Stranger in the Mirror," and the author makes the point. That all of us, to a certain extent, associate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all are someone different at work than we are with family, we're different with friends than we are at work. You know, different people at different times. Mm-hmm. All of course, it, it definitely rang a bell with me because I, for most of my uh, professional life, I've been writing under under a pseudonym, mm-hmm. the writing of Tom Kidd, and I can't just think. I had to really get into myself while we were doing this. And realize that okay, he's a character. He mm-hmm. was somebody. He's somebody else. He's not Thomas the Man. Mm-hmm. And it, it actually, that revelation came to me during our return to Arkansas, where we went to meet Daryl's family. They ended up rejecting us the same way his birth family did him many years before, and in pretty much the same place. Um, it, it just really. It really did hit it home to me that I wasn't probably being any more me most of the time than he is being him. Okay. 
you know, it's all part of the human condition. All right, so there was some sort of personal relation to that. Uh, okay, that's understandable. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, you just you brought up the fact that you guys, the two of you, did some research um, that led you back to Daryl's uh, roots, and I believe I believe there was some sort of trauma that Daryl experienced in his early years, which is also something that I've noticed. Um, that's a common theme in DID cases. Uh, can you tell us yeah. some more of, of about Daryl's early years? Yeah. Oh, there was well, quite a bit of trauma. Um, what we said when when we did the research, and there's like eight pages of annotated research in the back of which one am I? Mm-hmm. Through medical, through I forgot to do the interview. Huh? Silly me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. first time doing so, I'm, I hope I'm to be forgiven. But, uh, shit, that would have made it 16 pages. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to guess. Um, anyway, Daryl's, when we set out doing which one am I, it, it wasn't enough for me as a journalist, as a writer, as a researcher, to tell what happened. That's what you find in any DID memoir from Sybil on down to the many, many, many that we've read in, in preparation for writing the book. Um, I wanted to know why. I want you to know why was he, of the five siblings, the one singled out for abuse? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to find out, you know, a reason. Because, uh, you know, he was, he was born, you know, to, in the, well, the su- southern part of Arkansas, pretty much the center of the state, Brinkley, which is the midway point between Memphis and Little Rock. So, um, he was, didn't know his father until he was about six years old. Okay. He didn't know the man who would claim to be his father. He has memories, which they call the psychic-filled blood memories, mm-hmm. of his mother beat by his father because he was trying to cause an abortion. Hmm. Now, we this going in. So I, we went out looking for people who knew, you know, his mother and his father in early years. And I started calling around because what I do. Um, I dug up uh, the son of his mother's best friend. His best friend was Beth, Bertha Merriman. Mm-hmm. And I called this number that was, you know, thank you, Google. Um, uh, turns out he's dead. Mm-hmm. The woman I talked to was his widow. I said, well, you know, when I found that out, I said, does anybody know, remember Bertha Merriman, who, or anybody know who knew the family, the Williams family back in Brinkley? So, well, Bertha Merriman's right here. So, hmm. so I fell chair. Hmm. Daryl standing across the kitchen from me, and Bertha comes on the phone. So, but he'd been told was dead. His brother said she was dead, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years back. And she's on the line. She says, James Daryl? You ain't no James Daryl Williams. You're hmm. James Daryl Jackson. And whoa, hmm. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hold on. Mm-hmm. What? What happened? Who is this? And she said, you know, she told us, stated to tell him that his father was actually her uncle, which makes her not his aunt Bertha, but his cousin Bertha. Mm-hmm. And it was, she's the product of an affair between Carolyn William and James Daryl Jackson, for whom he was named after. And, you know, we didn't know. We knew right. nothing. Wow. Nothing. And so the whole thing started like, you know, started coming together. From there, we followed other leads, other, you know, thank you Google research tips I found, finding people from his childhood, from people who should have known people from his childhood. Um, and we ended up going back to Arkansas, well, actually Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, because father's eldest brother and his wife were celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. You know, God love them. Mm-hmm. You know, 70 together. Can you imagine? And um, so we went out to the celebration. None of the promises Bertha had made to us happened. Mm. We put up in her house. She didn't take us in her car to see the places and do the research we needed to do. Um, she didn't introduce Daryl to anybody in the family. I, it was all just kind of weird. And then the day after the anniversary, she goes, well, we sure have helped you boys. But wait, wait, wait. My plane doesn't leave for seven days. Wow. 
So, and, and they proceed to, you know, t- put us in their car, take us, get us out of the motel, put us in, and dump us on in Memphis by the airport. Wow. So we find ourselves abandoned once again. Huh. Um, so it's just, you know, we have no money. We have no transportation. We have no place to live. I took sleep. You know, no money to oh. eat on, nothing. Uh-huh. Um, I called I called a woman I met on Craigslist, uh, Mary mm-hmm. Barnick, and she agreed to drive. She and her husband, oh, decided to, agreed to drive the three hours down from the Ozarks where they live, pick us up, put us up in their place, and bring us back to the airport when our plane left. Amazing. And we were looking for family. We found it. We just didn't find it where we were expecting to find it. Gotcha. Now, uh, let me, because all of this going back and the mistreatment of the family, does Daryl recall any of his childhood? He recalls enough of it. Uh, He, he, as I think as most people do, he recalls the painful moments. Mm -hmm. Um, During our drive up to the Ozarks, Bo and Mary, you know, Mary is a journalist as well, and she knew. I told her there are places that he needed to see, places we needed to go to do research, and they did their best. God love them, having just met us about half an hour before, to go to every single one of those places that we could find. Mm. Mm. As we're driving through a lot of these places, West Memphis, which is, you know, rather infamous in the the annals of uh, Arkansas, for the West Memphis Three, and people in Memphis, we were told later, call West Memphis, quote, the Wild West, unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the places we drove by, Daryl directed us without maps. He knew where we were going. He knew the turns to take. And those brought out the memories. And those brought out the kids. Um, mm. this, there's a symptom in, in, with DID patients called the revolving door. The revolving door actually refers to two different symptoms. The First is someone who goes in and out of therapy. And the second one within D, with the DID is when they're confused, they don't know which emotion to express, then the kids inside will come out fully formed, one after another. And this was our entire three-hour drive up to the Ozarks. The kids kept coming out one after another to you know decide who was to handle which emotional Emotion that was brought on by seeing places he had lived, places he was accused, places he was accused of burning down, and which caused him to get banished from the state of Arkansas. Um, you know, the courthouse where his his mother abandoned him, the you know the mobile mm. home which his mother died. These were all different people who had to come out to handle these emotions. Okay, and, you know, God love Bo and Mary. To their credit. They didn't flinch, not one little bit. They took good. all in strike, every good single little bit. Good They're people, great. truly good people. Tom, we're going to take a, another break, but uh, once again, hang in there with, with me. We're going to talk some more about uh, the trip back to find Daryl's roots. Stay tuned. This is Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Hello, I am speaking with Tom Smith, a husband of Daryl Williams. And before the break, we were talking about their journey back to Daryl's uh, uh, birthplace and where he grew up. Uh, and you mentioned that they, that the visit brought out different personalities for uh, Daryl. So I want to ask uh, at this point, have you noticed that it's always a certain stimulus or some sort of stressor that brings out a personality in Daryl? It can be pretty much anything. We try to live pretty quietly here, um, but, you know, we're, we're in Long Beach. We're near the city center. It tends to get a little noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, backfiring cars or loud noises will invariably bring out James mm-hmm. because he does not like them. Anything resembling a gunshot wound brings out Steve, who's associated with the um, suicide of Daryl's uncle Steve, which was which happened on the couch. Uncle Steve, for whatever reason, decided to 
um, shoot himself through the temple while Daryl was sitting at his side. And wow. so gunshot, gunshot wounds will bring, gunshot sounds, similar to gunshot sounds, will bring out Steve. Um, on our trip, it, it was kind of interesting, the um, the different, different triggers. Uh, for instance, on the return to the Ozarks, we had to stop at Walmart because, unbeknownst to me, it's very hard to get good fruits and vegetables in mm-hmm. Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Proven true to me, when I tried to go to the grocery store, oh, my God, with people, you have farmland, you don't grow this stuff. <laughs> and I was... I'd forgotten there was room on my, all my Walmart credit cards, so I was buying a lot of. I was in the grocery section with Bo, buying extra food to leave them when we left because I wanted to make sure you know that's if that's all I could do for them, that's all I can do. Bo and Mary, for making this earlier signal, were putting us up in their trailer, no mm. cost, and became our family. Daryl was out over in the clothes section with Mary, and I didn't. I didn't see this, but Mary said, this did the, were the girls shopping? And um, I said, I don't know. Were they? So it was one, all of a sudden, Daryl just looks at me and goes, come on, girl, let's go shopping. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. That was either Mary or Diane. I mean, um, uh, Carol or Diane. That was Star, he said. Um, he just said, okay, we're, we're going to go shopping. Um, <laughs> our return... We had gone to the Brinkley Depot and Museum, which is the old train station, where they had uh, okay. where people stopped. I know before between you know Memphis and Arkansas, Brinkley was the designated stop for the railroad at that point. And there was this. As we walk in, they have two uh, windows near the entrance. They were part of two of the original windows, and there's holes in them. And Billy. Adam, he gets scared. Those holes were from rocks Billy through the, through the windows. Mm. Like, oh Somebody going to arrest me? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Then we go around the corner, and there's a display, because one of the women who works there is uh, the daughter of James Williams, who happens to be the name of the doctor who delivered Daryl. Mm. Daryl Williams. And whom we thought he was named after uh, in the early part of research. And all of a sudden, I looked down and Jimmy's out. Because I can you just tell from Jimmy's face. And Jimmy's mm-hmm. pawing a glass in front of him. It's a display of the man's World War II uniform. Or mm-hmm. with World War II, or yeah, something like that. World War, World War II uniform. And he's, and little Jimmy is just repeating over and over and over again. This is the man who helped us live. And just, oh, start crying every time I think I stay telling that story, so I shouldn't tell that story. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, it's just different triggers. They're, they're triggered by very, very, very different uh, stimulus. And it could, it could be anything. It could be a person. It could be a place. We um, could be a sound. could be a smell. It could be a taste. Anything. anything. Is so, uh, I, Not to cut you off, is it Daryl that I hear in the background now? Yeah. Oh, I just I just want to say hello. I mean, I don't want to stress anything, but I just want to say hello and thank you for sharing your story with me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having uh, me. All righty, dear. Um, uh, Tom, a lot of what we've been talking about today, just off the cuff, sounds like post-traumatic stress disorder. Is what what is the difference here between uh, that and DID? I like to say post-traumatic stress disorder and DID have um, similar symptoms and very different causes. Um, PTSD is generally um, caused by trauma, well, definitely sometime after the age of six. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, a brain's way of dealing with it. But the same, they experience the same sort of dissociation, those, those type of patients. And when we're doing our reading, we do find which was kind of surprising originally to us when we first started doing this, that we have a lot of PTSD patients or undiagnosed or misdiagnosed PTSD patients come to the reading because they, they, they really identify with the dissociation and they're happy that somebody's able to talk about it, just like as if, you know, as if it were a normal thing rather than what the current psychological 
you know, world sees as something that's never diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of touched by the journey back home and the avoidance of family to kind of reunite with Daryl. Um, how long ago was that trip? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah, and and in that years. two years' time, nobody has reached out to kind of, you know, hey. Uh, oh my dear, they 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 they, they have. Uh, we haven't been in contact probably for the last year or so. Um, it, it, you're dealing with a culture in the South, and I think I, I can sure say the South. If I just say a culture in general of denial mm-hmm. of things that we don't talk about never happened. It's a lot of family and secrets in the South. A lot of family secrets in the South. It's not, it's not just the South. It's everywhere. I mm-hmm. mean, so I'm, I'm just not going to single out the South because I've been mm-hmm. accused for trying to make West Memphis look like a bunch of yahoos. And, <laughs> you know, I tend to think that they are a bunch of yahoos, but, you know, they're <laughs> before break, uh, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that um, Daryl has been, I guess, diagnosed as DID for 20 years or so, or how long? 24 years. 24 years now. 24 24 years. years. And I'm assuming that treatment has come a long way from when you first started to treatment today. Um, Are are you currently still in therapy? Yes, ma'am, I am. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm still the same doctor. Okay. And uh, it has come a long way. It has come a long way. Now, uh, uh, go ahead. Before I go to break, I just want to ask is the goal of therapy to merge Daryl into one person or just to get the 22 personalities to coexist happily? Okay, I can deal with this one. Um, during the early days of DID research, which basically go back to uh, Dr. Cornelia Wilbur and her work with Sybil, that's what all modern DID treatments really are based on. The goal was the merging of personality. Historically, that has never, ever been proven to work, ever. Mm-hmm. The goal now, there are still psychiatrists who try to do that. Okay. But the goal between of, of those who are knowledgeable is to get to the to a certain state where the people inside recognize the hierarchy that Daryl's in charge, and they have to ask his permission before they do things. And that's we call it assimilation in the book, which is the term they used in since the day of the civil. That that has since changed. Assimilation now means merging. So I don't know why it changed, but it did. So Daryl just called it getting along. So <laughs> mm-hmm. go with that. Okay. And yeah, it, it, it's changed. Psychology has changed quite a bit. Okay, so now Daryl's therapy is just to get him to be happy with all of the people that he is. And to get all the people inside happy with everything that's going on outside, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good Everybody's stuff. All righty, dear. Uh, the two of you, we're going to take our last break of the day. Hang out with me. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Happy to spend some time with Tom and Daryl today talking about uh, DID. Um, I wanted to ask in this last few minutes that we have, uh, Tom, uh, Hollywood often gives us this exaggerated view of things. I mean, you've been in the industry for a while, so you know. Um, I remember watching the movie Sybil uh, growing up uh, about a woman who struggled with DID, but you and Daryl, day after day, live with it. You know the reality of it. Um, w- what is the reality of, of DID that we kind of have a distorted view of, I guess, that Hollywood has given us? Hollywood has given that. that, that that's one of the sub-themes. There's a lot of sub-themes of which one am I. But one of the sub-themes we've dealt with is the Hollywood portrayal. It's, it's the fact that, um, look, as in, and I, I trace this in which one am I too, uh, the, the way you show any minority, the way Hollywood has traditionally shown any minority, it always begins with caricature. Before mm-hmm. he used to care. Uh, that happened with Amos and Andy. It took uh, 40, 50 years before we got mm-hmm. to the Cosby Show, the first actual decent representation you mm-hmm. know, of, of a black male for society. Same mm-hmm. thing with the gay culture. We went from, mm-hmm. in the 19, early 1970s, uh, Boys in the Band, um, all the way up into was the 2000s from when we started getting represented well. Uh, now, with DID, we started with the United States of Terror. The first time Hollywood ever made a real effort at portraying someone with DID. Um, our mission, every time we mentioned that, that show, which we, I talked to both the multiple and the psychiatrist who advised the show. Mm-hmm. Both gave me the Hollywood answer. Oh, you just have to understand that's how it's done in Hollywood. <laughs> and that's just not a good answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just not a good answer. That, and unfortunately, when we do some of the readings, we have people come out and all they know from Sybil, if you're going to look, go to, if you're going to your bookstore and you look up the social identity disorder, the only book available is Sybil. And mm-hmm. that was published in 1973. That is the <laughs> only book. Mm. Um, if, you know, you want to see it on television, there's all these conflicting images. Um, I remember watching um, uh, uh, Criminal Minds. There was one episode where they said, you know, they had the character say, well, you know, dissociative identity disorder is caused by yada, yada, yada. Okay, fine. I watched an episode like a week later, and they say, oh, well, there's never been a case ever really proven to be dissociative identity disorder. Well, make up your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it either is or it isn't. And... Yeah, this is what we we find in Hollywood. They they use it as uh, an opportunity for comedy, yeah, or or for tragedy, and it's not, and it's nothing to be joked about. And I find and I find it very appalling. My with me personally, I find it very appalling that uh, society only knows it as a joke, and when there are people out there that suffering that don't. By seeing the movies and stuff of portraying the problem that they have and the, what I have of DID, making fun of it, that, you know, it's something that we all thought it was just made up on TV. You know, people mm-hmm. are out there suffering with this and everything that are afraid to say anything or to try to ask for help because they don't know where to go. Because mm-hmm. all they feel that they're going to be told is, Oh, come on. This only happens in TV. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with you. We had a nurse at his care clinic telling him that. Hmm. Verbatim. You know, I thought something only happened on TV. Wow. And we've met the multiple. They've come to our readings, and they are afraid to go in to sit for therapy. They're you afraid know, to talk to your doctor. I mean, and you, just, you, you, br- 
and not to cut you off, but you bring up something. I mean, there's there's a lot of controversy around DID. I mean, some people in the profession, you know, they're tossing around, you know, it's a fad diagnosis. It doesn't really exist or not. Um, but speaking the life that you live, how, how do you know for a fact, for a fact, that this is actually a valid condition? How do we know for a fact? Yeah, I mean, because you experience it, you know, only, uh, everybody else is just outsiders looking in, but it's very real to you. I mean, if you would have somebody say, uh, I don't really think that's just something, you know, you guys made up in your mind, what would you tell them? No, this is real because. This is real because of the diagnosis, well, well, in our case, because he's been diagnosed and that's what he's been treated for and the treatment helped. Mm-hmm. Also because, you know, they don't live inside they don't see what's happening. Well, that's neither do I. And I'm, I'm thinking uh, they don't see the people. Well, this is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch you on that. This is how I answer that question. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can believe, ask a person, do you believe in God mm-hmm. or Jesus? And they say, of course I do. Why? Does he exist? Of course he does. Mm-hmm. Okay, then why do I not exist? If God exists and you have not seen him, heard him, or touched him, or felt him, or known True. him to be standing in front of you, how do you know that he exists or not? True. Yeah, it's, it's, this has been a coming out process for us. That's okay. how I answer that question. Good as, stuff. As a couple who deal with the ideas, the same, really, honestly, it's been the same process as coming out. You face with a lot of the same prejudice. Because the same thing as was said as gay men, mm-hmm. as said about his CID. Well, how do you know? Why can't you just get over it? Mm-hmm. Why can't you get something up? It's the same thing. And, uh, you know, I, it's just something like we, we just know. We, you have mm-hmm. to live with it. That's what I say. Yeah, you have to you have to be a part of it going through it day after day. Um, I think that's that's a kind of a, an issue that we deal with as humans. If we're not going through it, we have a tendency to dismiss or discount it. But there are actually people out there struggling to to live a day to day life that have to go through this that we have to be compassionate to. And, and there, you know, there is another way. The reason I know that it exists is because, you know. Growing up, I and when I started getting older and I started learning more about it, and people would, a lot of people don't understand that when a person changes, when when it first starts, that they don't that they don't know what's happening, mm-hmm. and that's what happened to me. Is I didn't understand I was changing, and I would have people years later come along and stop me and ask me how I've been doing. And I would look at them and ask them, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, you know, when you're constantly being hounded by people telling you that they know you, they can describe everything about you, but you know nothing about them, mm. then, you know, there's got to be, there's something to it. I mean, you know, you can't go through life not knowing everybody that you run into. I mean, I... It's not like running into a stranger on the street. I mean, these people knew my family. Hmm. They knew me personally. You know, things about me that only I know. Mm-hmm. That I thought only I knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when things like that happen, people need to wake up and realize that if that can be, you know, if people can constantly tell you that they know you and then you swerve it down that you that you don't know them, but they know more about you, that, that frightens a person. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what frightened me into getting help is because I wanted to know what was going on. Because I could see myself sitting from within my eyes, basically sitting in a tunnel looking out, hmm. but not able to do anything about what was going on. Amazing, amazing. It's hard. It, it's a horrible thing when people <coughs> tell you to Facebook, like, I only think it's, I thought it was made up on TV. And, you know, I just wish people would just take the time and when they say, I don't believe, take the time to themselves and say, 
Well, they used to say we would never fly, too. They say that, that uh, we would never go to the moon. Mm-hmm. It would never happen. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing right here, talking on a computer. That's no right. One that years ago. Oh, this can't happen. That's futuristic. No. Just open your mind to the possibility of what can happen and does happen. And try mm-hmm. to understand what a person is saying to you. Listen with your heart, not your mind. Beautiful. And that's the way I live my day. Is yeah. when I wake up, I thank God that I'm alive. I don't think that it's a curse anymore. And I'm very happy that I've got someone that loves me. And if that's all I've got for people to understand, then, you know, good for them. If they can't have an open mind and understanding, then good for them. But me, personally, I've lived with this up too long to let people tell me that I don't exist, that we don't exist. Daryl, I think you've uh, come a long way. I mean, and I think you are to be commended, and I know it helps to have a very supportive and uh, strong partner uh, with you on your side. And I, I'm I'm very happy that uh, we got an opportunity to talk to you for a little bit today. Uh, I, I was a little concerned that I wouldn't get to share any time with you, but I, I thank you for coming on coming on the show and and. Uh, saying hello to me. Uh, and as always, though, uh, these hours go by so fast for me, and we're at the end of two of you. Um, oh, I want to uh, thank you guys both. My guest today has been Tom Smith and Daryl Williams. I'm two beautiful people, and uh, you know, you need to take the time and appreciate the struggles that your fellow neighbors are going through, and they've expressed that. Uh, be sure to visit their website at whichoneami.net. Pick up a copy of the book uh, to see how you can learn more about them, what they're doing, and disassociative identity disorder. Tom and Daryl, I I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for being on Don't Box Me In today and sharing your story. I wish you both much success and truly much peace in your journey. Thank Thank you you so much for your work. Yeah, no That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Till then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life.